Before we get started, I want to take a moment to invite you to MML's upcoming elected officials training in Columbia, Missouri, June 8th to 9th. This conference covers topics such as Missouri's sunshine law, fraud, budgets, leadership, and more. It provides a knowledge base that newly elected officials need to govern effectively, but also covers changes that continually occur, making this an event all officials should attend. Learn more and register at www.mocities.com. Now, on to today's episode. In this episode of the MML City View podcast, we speak with Greg Burris and Cora Scott, co-founders of the increasingly popular Give 5 program, a first-of-its-kind program matching retired and retiring citizens with key volunteer opportunities in the community. Greg and Cora began this unique opportunity in Springfield, Missouri, and the success has led to other cities adopting a similar structure. Greg is a former city manager of Springfield, Missouri's third largest city, for 10 years. After an eight-day retirement in 2018, Greg joined the United Way of the Ozarks and serves now as the organization's president and CEO. And as director of public information and civic engagement for the city of Springfield, Cora Scott is responsible for communications, acting as chief spokesperson, and overseeing communication strategy and media relationships for local government. We also want to commend Cora on her recent 2023 Lieutenant Governor's Women of Achievement Award. Greg and Cora, welcome. And Cora, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're we're happy to be here today, Laura. Well, Cora, let's start with learning a little bit more about what the Give 5 program entails. What led you and Greg to create this? Sure. We um, created this program when Greg was still the city manager and uh, I was director of um, public information and civic engagement, which I still am. Um, after a series of um, community listens, um, focusing on addressing poverty. So as we went through that exercise, meeting with um, over 800 residents as a part of that particular initiative, we realized that as people found out what the barriers are to addressing poverty, they wanted to be a part of the solution. So we had this pent up group of people who really wanted to participate. Um, and Greg had uh, previously had the idea of really tapping in to our retiring um, residents because of their skills and talents that they have. So this became a natural program to create, to provide um, an entree into um, true civic engagement. We're also trying to address um, some macro trends and Greg can go into that a little bit more, but um, in short, it was created to match up people who have a desire to help with people who need help. Great. Well, Greg, in what ways do you feel this program benefits municipalities and the individuals? Well, first, thanks, Laura, for having us on. We really appreciate this. Uh, in terms of what it does for the community, for the municipality and the surrounding area, uh, these volunteers, these participants that go through the Give 5 program end up becoming great ambassadors for your community. And this was almost an unintended consequence of this. We didn't go into this uh, thinking that we were going to create ambassadors, but that in essence, what they become, they become defenders of your community. And it's something that's a little different because as you know, as a city employee, if somebody is sort of, uh, you know, out on social media or in a meeting and talking uh, smack about a community. It's one thing for the city employee to stand up and say, well, that's not quite right. You know, here's here's the truth. It's received differently if you have another citizen stand up and say, well, actually, that's not quite right. So these folks, uh, and Cora can give you examples of this, they will defend our city um, on social media. And I think that's, that's a real powerful thing. The other thing is the obvious, uh, the talent. Mike, 
goodness, we have discovered so many talented people in our community that were in essence hidden uh, and oftentimes sitting on their couch. So we call the program Couch Repellent uh, for that very reason, because it does get people up off of the couch. And so many people want to get engaged in their community. They don't know how to take the first step. And so if you don't know how to take the first step, you're probably going to stay on the couch. Uh, but doing it as a, a group experience is different. Uh, it also gives the participants this big picture view of their community. Because what we find is when you are living in a community, you can either be living on the community or you can be living in the community. And if you're just living on the community and you're commuting every day and you got to get the kids to soccer practice and all that stuff. Um, it's hard to really take a deep dive into your community and really understand what's going on literally in your own backyard. This program lets them see what's going on in their background. So that immersion into their community is, is a real powerful advantage for communities as well. And then the last thing is kind of this economic advantage. So, you know, my generation, retired baby boomers, we have 70% of the discretionary income in the United States. So you want these people in your community and actively engaged in your community because there is an economic impact. It's a very large economic driver, in fact, on the individual side. So what's it do for the actual participants? Uh, we have some people in every class who are experiencing social isolation and loneliness certainly brings them out of that. That is a major health issue, uh, issue especially for seniors. Um, but I, won't, I don't want to give the impression that every participant is isolating because some members of the class are the busiest, most engaged people you'll ever meet and everything in between. Um, it also, you know, it gives them this, this sense of purpose and, and kind of going back to this idea of social isolation and loneliness, there was a study done by BYU a while back that said, what is the physical health impact of that social isolation and loneliness? What, what does it do to you? It's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And when we heard that, that stunned us. And we thought, okay, you know, we've, we're on the right track here. We've got to do this. And then kind of the last thing is we have found through research studies that it impacts three primary things that I think most governments are really truly interested in impacting with their citizenry. It increases their level of trust. It increases their level of empathy and it increases their level of community ownership. And if you can move the needle on those three things, it, you can really sort of change the dynamic in, within your community. So do you find the people as, as they're going through and how many days is it that they're learning about the various opportunities before they get started? 162 days. <laughs> it's five program days. Five. Okay. That, that makes sense. A full, a full program day um, once a week for five weeks and then a graduation. And what we do is we give them that big picture view. Um, we show them heat maps that show our community and um, illustrate trends such as crime trends, um, health trends, things that are going on. And it gives them, like I said, that big picture view um, it also focuses on a specific challenge. So all the nonprofits that participate in the Springfield edition of Give 5 are focused on addressing either the symptoms or the causes of poverty. And we take them and they visit the 23 to 25 nonprofits. And it's like speed dating. They're learning about that mission and they're, they're um, realizing what it might be like to volunteer there, um, asking questions and making thoughtful decisions upon um, where they might connect. In fact, as an example, our most recent class 20 um, in Springfield, we had 18 participants. They ended up selecting 70 different volunteer opportunities 
at 25 nonprofits. So that's really fueling capacity for those nonprofits to help provide the services that they do in our community. Um, so I can't say enough about what they do um, for building capacity for um, helping others in our community. And it just has a giant ripple effect. Yeah, what Cora just described is one class. One class. That's the yeah. impact of one class. We did have some researchers from Missouri State University look at the graduates from the first five classes. We just graduated our 20th class, We're getting ready to start our uh, 21st class next week. And the impact uh, when they looked at just the first five classes was over $300,000 of volunteer value in one year from just the first five classes. That's 300000 plus in one year from the first five classes. So we've just graduated 20. You can do the math. You know, there'll be some, you know, slippage, I'm sure. But we're easily over a million dollars of volunteer value a year right now. And we are, you know, we have no plans to stop. We're just going to keep going. Well, I think, as you said, it's really interesting about how, of course, they're going to be more invested um, and and just have more ownership in their community. Do you see as they're going through those uh, five days, just kind of the light bulb coming on where things sort of click as to how the city's been working all along? Absolutely. Even in the first class, and we have our mayor, uh, Mayor McClure comes in, welcomes the class. And then we have guest speakers that come in, our superintendent of schools, our director of health. And as um, the participants are sitting there taking all this in and, of course, asking questions, and they have such great questions, thoughtful questions, we can really see that they're understanding the challenges and the opportunities in our community. If I could start all over again and start in 2012 when I came to the city, focusing on community engagement, I would start specifically on the senior group because they read everything, they learn about the city. And then like Greg mentioned, they ultimately become ambassadors for the truth, which who needs that these days? Every local government. Um, it's such a struggle to uh, combat misinformation. Well, this is a group of folks. Um, we have over 300 that have gone through the Springfield program who learn about the city, are advocates for the city, and are actually out there making sure that um, citizens are well-informed, which, as you know, is very helpful um, with our public information efforts. Yeah. So, Cora, are you able to then use this group, you know, when you need to do some outreach? Is that a group where you'll focus and, and let them kind of help you start getting it going in the community? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we use them for special engagements as well. During uh, the pandemic, I was able to recruit 25 um, gift fibers who had medical license to give shots um, to create a medical cadre that went out into our uh, under-resourced areas and the rural areas and put shots in arms. Our medical society was just blown away by the fact that I could email um, out to our alums and they there they came. They also, um, they helped us with um, a hotline for COVID-19. I had people who had experience with um, running or working in call centers, people with medical experience. So, um, and th this group is very interested in going to where the need is and where their skills fit in. How is the program funded and where have you found support uh, outside of the, the groups who need, need the volunteers? Gore, you want to take that one? Sure. Yeah. Um, when we launched it as a city program, and now it's United Way of the Ozarks program, but we still work really closely together. We were fortunate to get a grant. Um, so we have a senior tax um, and a Greene County Senior Citizen Service Fund board 
that helped us and they had trust that this crazy idea would work and have supported us ever since. Um, we also have um, a major um, presenting sponsorship support from United Healthcare. Um, as a healthcare organization, health insurance, they saw the, the impact that this could have on social isolation, which um, according to the U.S. Surgeon General is the number one health concern that we have for seniors is social isolation because of all of the health impact, uh, negative health impacts that come alongside that. So we're fortunate to have that um, private sector um, community, um, community groups such as wealth advisors um, and uh, free for service medical providers come alongside. Who am I missing, Greg? That's well, our, the, oh, the, the state of Missouri. One, yeah, I was going to say the, the state of Missouri, uh, the state legislature last year decided they wanted Missouri to become the first state in the country to officially adopt Give Five. And so they funded multiple locations. And so we have nine locations either already operating throughout Missouri or we'll be starting within just the next couple of weeks. So we're really excited about all the different locations scattered throughout the state. Yeah, that was one of my questions. What are are some of those other locations? Uh, Obviously, we're in Springfield. Mm -hmm. And then the state uh, is helping to sponsor programs in Branson, Missouri, and Stone and Taney County, uh, Columbia, Missouri, uh, Jefferson City, uh, Clayton, Missouri, a suburb of St. Louis, uh, Kansas City, Warrensburg, St. Joseph. Sedalia and Joplin. Oh, that's a really good mix. That's great. And then outside the state of Missouri, we're also operating in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, uh, Canton, Ohio, and on as of June first, Knoxville, Tennessee. So, how did that get started? Were they did they reach out to you? They did. Uh, they started. We started to get some national attention uh, when an article was written about the program here in Springfield. Uh, Next Avenue, which is uh, part of PBS, published it. And then Forbes picked it up, put it on their website. As soon as it was on the Forbes website, we started hearing from both other communities, but also researchers. So we're currently working with researchers at both Penn State University and Stanford. Uh, They both have centers for healthy aging and longevity. And so those researchers are working together and have designed a first-of-its-kind assessment instrument, uh, sort of a pre and post-program assessment for the participants to determine the impact the program has on the participants. So we're excited within the next couple of months, we're going to get our first reports. Oh, well, we'll definitely have to follow up with that. I know we ran an article in the MML Review back in 2019, I think, uh, which I will link to in the show notes. But I'd, I'd like to see the article from Forbes as well, but then also follow up when you have some of those results. That's really neat. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to MML because you all were the first to give us um, recognition with the Innovation Award. Um, and we still we still tout that um, as we give presentations or, um, around the country. Oh, Although great. we tell people it came with a cash award. But- <laughs> oh, oh, well. Yeah. Can't- a lifetime supply of Askinesi chocolate. There you go. Can't offer that, but wow. <laughs> Well, so what would you recommend uh, another city that's listening to this and, and would like to get involved? What would you recommend for them? First step is really just reach out to us or really maybe do some introspection because the the real sort of superpower of Give Five, as Cora mentioned, is how we focus it on the community's number one issue that they'd like to impact. So as we start a conversation with a community, when they 
contact us, the very first thing we do is ask them a question, which is, what is the number one issue you want to address? I think Cora mentioned in Springfield, we want to address poverty. In some communities, it's mental health. In some, it's the social determinants of health. Uh, in Canton, Ohio, it's childhood poverty. They have the second highest level of childhood poverty in the country. They wanted to move the needle on that. So we work with that community and customize the program so that it specifically addresses and hones in on that particular issue. Because if you think about it, you could scatter these highly talented people to the winds, or you can structure the program so that you're really focused on moving the needle on that particular issue. And that means selecting the the curriculum, but also selecting the nonprofits. And we have people who, you know, I mean, we've got thousands of nonprofits in a lot of these communities. How do you choose? Well, you choose the nonprofits based on the issue you want to impact. And so we work with them to do that. So it really just starts with a phone call and a conversation like this. And we both can determine is this is good, is Give Five a good fit for that community? And do you have nonprofits approaching you as well saying, we want to make sure we're on your radar? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, we started this program when it was just the sort of germ of an idea. Cora and I hosted a luncheon in Springfield and we invited, what, Cora, 40 nonprofits 40. Mm-hmm. to come to a luncheon. We said, OK, we got this idea for this program. And we threw up some slides. We had this application sitting on all the tables and we thought, boy, if we could get 15 or 20 nonprofits to sign on, this would be great. 40. All 40 signed up. <laughs> They're ready to go. So we, so we have this, even though we visit 23 in a particular yeah. program or a class visits 23, we do cycle nonprofits in and out of the program so that everybody gets a, a fair chance. And we're starting to hear from cities that really want to enhance their own volunteer programs, um, which I think is a really good and progressive sign that they under they understand the value of volunteerism. Um, and think that Give Five can be a tool even for just a city, a municipality to um, teach about their organization and also um, recruit volunteers to do different things within the organization. Well, this just sounds really valuable. Are there any particular stories that jump out that you would want to share? Any particular examples? Uh, well, out for, the the, for the nonprofits, it's um, so I'll tell on my own nonprofit. Uh, because one of the things that we do is we work specifically by helping to train the nonprofits to reimagine volunteerism. Because if you go into most nonprofits, and I'm generalizing here, but if you go into a lot of nonprofits and say, what are your volunteer opportunities? What is it? It's answering the phone. We need somebody to stuff envelopes, do some filing, rake some mulch. Well, what are you going to do with, a you know, if I, we brought you five retired nurses, two retired college professors, three retired CEOs, six retired bankers. I mean, these are who go, these are the people who go through these programs. So those kind of volunteer opportunities are not very appealing to them. So we work with the nonprofits to help them reimagine volunteerism. And nonprofits have a tendency to view the world through a lens of scarcity. There's just not enough to go around. And so we don't really allow ourselves to step back and view the world through a lens of abundance. What would I do with all that talent? And once you really step back and start to think, well, you know, we need help with our marketing plan. Well, it just so happens we have in our class a retired marketing professional who was the director of marketing for a Fortune 10 company. 
Could they help you, you think? <laughs> so it's a matter of, of really stepping back and rethinking this. And we do that as part of the implementation process. And so we get a chance to see the light bulbs come on. And so, you know, the, the stories I would tell would be about nonprofits and communities that really start to realize, wow, there's a ton of talent out there. And it's looking for a way to connect because it helps people regain that sense of purpose and that meaning in their life. They're not looking for a 40 hour a week job, but they'll give you 15 to 20 hours. Two additional quick stories. One is this has really enhanced our city of Springfield um, capability of recruiting boards, members for boards and commissions. So we, you know, historically have a real challenge um, getting a diverse pool of applicants for that those different opportunities and um, the gift fibers, as we call them, make really good um, planning and zoning commissioners um, because they come in with um, already um, an overview knowledge of the community and of the organization. And so they are able to hit the ground running. Um, it's kind of my goal for um, eventually to have gift fibers on city council and um, as the mayor, because they are ready to go. Um, another example, let's see, another story was um, we had a former mayor um, who called me up one evening and said, Cora, I am really starting to socially isolate. Um, I think I want to join Give 5. I thought he was kidding me, but he was totally serious. He said, I feel out of the loop um, and I, it's really starting to become an issue. And I thought, I mean, this is one of the most plugged in, most social people I knew. Um, but it was a really relatively short amount of time before after he left office, that he felt very disconnected. So that was a lesson for me on how easy it is for our residents to become isolated. Um, that's certainly more of an extreme situation, but um, you've got to invite people in. You've got to invite people to participate, and Give 5 does that and on a massive scale because you've got so many opportunities to plug in. So where would we tell our members to find you if they want to learn more, if they want to just learn more about the program? Obviously, I'll link to these articles, but what would you like them to go to to find you? Sure. Um, the best way to find out more is to go to give5program.org. There is um, a link to a short video on the homepage, and that does a, I think it does a really good job of explaining uh, what the program is. And then there's a contact form there where they can fill out um, their information and um, we'll get back, back to them. Great. Well, as we close out, I like to ask each of our guests a couple of things that they love about their city. What do you most enjoy about where you live? Corey, you want to go first? Sure. Um, this is a hard question to answer because there's so many things I love about Springfield, but I think what I love about it most is that when people see the need, they follow through. We have just launched um, what we call clean green Springfield which is really just an initiative to help to invite people to come help us pick up trash, clean up streams, um, dispose of things and do neighborhood cleanups. Well, in less than a week, we have 875 people registered for this. Um, and so I just, what I love about Springfield is, is you, you set forth the need and invite them and they will come. And I think my, my answer probably parallels that. And, um, I'll, I'll tell you a little story about um, what we hear from the participants and we've become sort of like the new welcome wagon in town. If somebody's new to the community, people in the community say, Oh, you need to go through the give five program. But we also have people who go through the program who have lived here their entire lives. Who 
you would think, you know, they come into the program saying, you know, I've lived here my entire life. I know a lot about Springfield. They all come out of the program saying the same thing, which is I had no idea. And they they say, I had no idea the level of need or challenges in the community because they just didn't see it. They've been busy with their lives. But they also say that about the work of the nonprofits and how well the nonprofits work together, because many of them come into the programs with a sort of a preconceived notion. There's so much duplication. Nonprofits are inefficient. The work's not really getting done, is it? But what they find when they come out of this is, wow, I had no idea how well they work together, the great work they're doing, the impact they're making. And cities need to pay attention to this because if your nonprofits go under, who's going to be expected to do that work? That's a good point. <laughs> I was trying to find an articulate way of saying that, Greg. I think you said it very well. <laughs> oh. Well, this was really great. I love learning more about this program. You guys just keep growing and I think it's wonderful. So thank you for your time today and for sharing more. And we definitely want to revisit, especially after you have more of that research and hear more about how this program continues to grow. You bet. Thanks, Laura. Thank Thanks. Thank you all so much for joining us today. And listeners, be watching for future Missouri City View podcasts. To learn more about the Missouri Municipal League, visit mocities.com.